Coming up on the Men at the Movies podcast, we venture into the sea with Finding Nemo. We contrast the characters of Marlon and Dory. After experiencing loss and trauma, Marlon lives in fear, trying to control a world that is not safe. Dory, on the other hand, shows how a life of joy, gratitude, and faith can get us where we need to be. And in the end, we see that the kidnapping of Nemo was used to restore Marlon's identity. Just keep swimming, and let's discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me for another Pixar adventure is Corey Stumney. Hey, Corey, how you doing today, man? I'm doing all right, as always. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Paul. The cool thing about the podcast is, you know, not necessarily the the growth of the audience or, or, I mean, we want more audience. We want more people to listen. But for me, the the gold and the treasure is really in the relationships and the conversations that I've got to have, you know, you think about, you know, moving up now, getting close to three years of doing this. So that's over, you know, three years will be 150 conversations that I get to have about uh, growing faith and the practical implications and the deeper meanings of the stories. And I'm like, well, you know, if, if each conversation sort of moves me one degree closer to God, that's pretty awesome. And then, you know, the, the, the relationships that we've developed, like you and I wouldn't, wouldn't know each other without the podcast and some of the yeah. video work I get to do. I'm just like, it's, it's kind of crazy. The, the stuff that has come out of it. Yeah. I, I've got some stories about how, um, um, you know, I've been told, uh, and again, this is obviously just kind of our conversations, uh, when we're doing some of the Disney slash Pixar stuff, but some of our conversations get in the hands of, of people who are not Christians and they have started some cool conversations with people. Uh, non-Christians don't want to hear a sermon, but they may want to hear a, about a movie. There may be several questions who don't want to hear a sermon. <laughs> Depending on the, the preacher, <laughs> right? Uh, th this is true, but uh, yeah. So I, you know, I just you know, uh, this is a little extra challenge for our listeners. But I just encourage you, like, if man, after after you listen to this today, if there's someone that you know that loves Finding Nemo and and, and could really use to be encouraged or challenged, uh, send this to them. Uh, ask them what they think about it and uh, start start a conversation. Let this just be a conversation starter yeah. uh, for you and, and for other people in your life. That's a pretty good, pretty good way to look at it. And, I, and I've even had conversations with people who, and I'm like, you know, the podcast, it's not, I mean, obviously it, it's for, uh, you know, we look towards believers and faith, but I'm like, if I can get an audience that would, is not typically going to church and somehow reach out to them, yeah, you know, like with the the Halloween or the Girl Next Door or some of the the movies that are a little more on the edgy side. I was like, yeah, the, the Suicide Squad. Um, you know, if we can reach those people, people who would not otherwise be interested, like you said, in listening to a sermon, but maybe they'll listen to a conversation about the movie Fury, about these other movies that we don't tend to think of as as churchy type of movies, and you know, it's not all all g-rated stuff and and as i like to say that's because our lives aren't like if you you actually own up to the truth of your life it's at best r-rated and it may be like nc-17 ish or worse so you know if you're honest with with your life so but we're not going to get into any of that stuff today because we are talking about before toy story 3 this was pixar's highest grossing g-rated film um, best-selling DVD of all times, I think. Although I think that may be a, a blessing of the timing because it came out in, in 2003. So by 2006, they had a, over 40 million copies sold. But after 2006, I think we kind of got away from DVDs after that. So that, that probably led to it because otherwise, I would imagine Toy Story 3 would have taken it over. Yeah. But you could probably just stream it. Won an Academy Award for Best Animated Picture, was nominated for 
what was it, the best original score, but lost to that the big Goliath of that year, the Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And that movie won everything, if if I yeah, if that, I remember. <laughs> but it's got like a ninety-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ebert gave it four out of four stars. So if you haven't seen Finding Nemo, I mean it's been twenty years, so you, you probably should have by now. There are very few movies that have 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that, I mean, that's just, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So it's, and from a storytelling standpoint, and this is one of the cool things about this movie is the, the character development, the story, the way that it's told, not just visually, which is, you know, back 20 years ago was just amazing to, to feel like you're swimming in the ocean. But the way that the story is told, it's so subtle and nuanced that it's telling you things that you wouldn't see unless you were really looking for it. You're like, oh, yeah, I really like that character. I like I like this scene or, you know, this gets me emotional. You don't know why unless you're looking for it. Yeah. 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 And that's what I, we do. We look for these things. Yeah. Yep, we're 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 looking for it, and um, what's fun uh, for for maybe the listeners who don't know, uh, you know, we we get together maybe for thirty minutes before this podcast, and we share what are the ways that we saw, you know, Jesus. What are the ways that we saw the gospel in this movie? And um, very rarely do we see the same things, right? You know, I assumed that the low hanging fruit of this movie was we were just going to talk <laughs> about the prodigal son, how the son is lost and he he wants away from his father's. Um, you know, he wants freedom from his father, like little Nemo does. And little Nemo goes out and touches the butt or the boat, whatever you want to call it. And he immediately gets put in a glass, small little prison, a, a tank. And that's kind of what happens. Particles. I thought that's the low hanging fruit. That'd be boring to talk about. You hadn't even, didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, I was like, Oh, that was interesting. I never thought of the prodigal son, but I mean, when you explained it, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I can see how that would work. Uh, but that wasn't what jumped out to, jumped out at me is even the obvious one, because that for you you're like oh that one's so obvious I don't want to talk about that one right yeah that I don't want to talk about the boring one that everyone's thinking about yeah <laughs> the one that Paul missed we so we're not actually going to talk about how we try to find freedom outside the father and it leads to a greater prison and separation from the father. Uh, cause that was, that was too obvious for the, the more spiritually minded, like Corey. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I knew the guy who literally created the minute the movies podcast, he'd think that was way too boring. He'd say, no, we got to find something better than that. No, that's not, like, oh man, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, what we do, it's almost, uh, kind of dipping into the, a character contrast is what we want to talk about. And again, as we, we try to set up a synopsis for if you haven't seen it in a while, the movie opens with what turns out to be a traumatic scene where he Marlon's like, oh, we got this place. You can see Marlon is sort of comfortable with who he is. He's the engaging fish we see again at the end of the movie. But they go through a barracuda attack, kills his wife and the majority of his egg children. And as we, we like to talk about, Pixar takes the approach of what if blank had feelings? So today it's what if fish had feelings? Right. And so then we see the one egg that survives. It's got a crack in it, which leads to you know Nemo's lucky fin. Marlon is a super overprotective father. As happens with most people with overprotective parents, he Nemo gets to a point of rebellion. It leads to him being taken. Yeah, we we just did we just did a podcast on Taken, so this is like Taken G rated Taken, um, <laughs> <laughs> without all the the dead bodies. And so the the story is really Marlin's pursuit, wanting to. I mean, it's in the title: Finding Nemo, Rescuing Nemo, Coming Back Home. And along the way, he does all these things, but the the other character, the other person outside of this that ends up being a fixture is Dory because uh, Marlon meets Dory along the way. And what we're going to discuss in, in a lot more detail today is how Marlon and Dory sort of the character contrast between them. 
again, like I said, the writing's so good. In the first couple minutes of the movie, he talks about seeing a whale. He talks about a shark. He talks about a sea turtle. All things that will eventually be Marlon will actually encounter along the journey. But that's just good writing is that setup. But again, the the good writing is you see it the the differences between Marlon and Dory along the way that culminates in in probably the scene we're going to talk about the most of when they're when they're stuck in the whale, which is interesting not just from the the spiritual Jonah perspective or even how Jonah was the archetype for Jesus in the tomb, but even Joseph Campbell that's a stage of the hero's journey is in the belly of the whale, and what happens in the belly of the whale is we face our we face our innermost fears. And that's what happens. Yeah. At his very, very, very center, Mar- Marlon is a control freak, right? Uh, that, that's just who <laughs> right. he is. Uh, he is uh, a youth minister's worst nightmare. The, the, the biggest helicopter parent <laughs> there ever was. Uh, I'm a youth minister for everybody uh, wondering why I'm saying that. But um, yeah, so Marlon is a unbelievable control freak. He lacks faith all throughout the movie. He is faithless, right? Uh, he does not believe uh, in putting himself out there. He does not believe in good things are coming. He just he just doesn't. He he, he just he, that's who he is, right? There's a there's a scene early on, super short, that sums up because here he is in the beginning. He's with his wife. He's with the hundreds of eggs. Half will be marlin. Half will be coral. Yeah. Half will be coral. But she wants one named Nemo, which is how he Nemo gets his name. But like us people, he goes through a trauma, a traumatic event where he loses just about everything. And what happens when, and again, going back to that concept of if our lives are actually, if we're honest with our lives, they're likely not PG-13 rated. There probably are or or worse. Because going through that situation, for us, it might be the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, the loss of a partner, loss of a child. Could be these traumatic events, and they change us. And that's what we see with Marlon. But he adopts this driving philosophy of life that I think many of us followers of Jesus, believers, Christians, whatever title you want to carry, uh, a lot of us carry, a lot of us adopt as we look at the world around us. And we see as, as they're uh, trying to leave their anemone, leave their house, Marlon tells Nemo, All right, we're excited. First day of school, here we go. We're ready to learn to get some knowledge. Now, what's the one thing we have to remember about the ocean? It's not safe. That's my boy. So, first, we check to see that the coast is clear. We go out and back in. And then we go out and back in. And then one more time, out and back in. And sometimes, if you want to do it four times... All right, come on, boy. The world is not safe. And that's what leads to his, as you mentioned, his being a control freak and a and a lack of faith. With I think those things go hand in hand. People who are a control freak lack faith. And if we lack faith, we will be a control freak because we have the core belief that the world is not safe. Yeah, yeah, we, we we believe that the world is not safe. In a way, of course, it's not. I mean, the, the world is a dangerous place. We get it. Um, Jesus himself says that uh, the ruler of this world is Satan, and uh, for just a temporary time, he he does have authority, given by God, of course. But um, you know, uh, like there's not good things in the world, and we and we do get that. And yet. If spiritually speaking, if, if we're just going to be like Marlin, we'll have no role in God's kingdom. Um, there's just not a role for 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 people who are going to choose um, fear over faith, uh, for people who are going to choose to, to, to seek control in just uh, weird and bizarre ways. Um, that's just not the life of Jesus's followers. Um, and that looks different for everybody, right? Um, right? That looks different for everybody. And so we're not, you know, we're not going to call anybody out specifically or any lifestyle out specifically or anything like that. 
yeah, you just you're never going to be all you can be if you are trying to make sure everything in your life is controlled and um, secure. Um, I mean, Jesus himself says, if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it. And, and those who lose their life are the ones that are going to save it. Yeah. And I, I think back to that whole idea, the world is not safe. That's And for, for Marlon, that's the one thing that he's like, what's the one thing you have to remember? The world is not safe. Early Christians, their world was definitely not safe, you know, especially in, in the Roman Empire where the significant persecution, you know, not just the, the horror stories of Nero, but you look at the martyrs of the faith of the early church and it would be very easy to adopt the mentality the world is not safe. You look at Daniel, he gets thrown into a lion's den, his, his friends are threatened and get chucked into a fiery furnace because they refused to worship. But they did not, I, I love what you said, that, that fear over faith. It'd be very easy to live a lifestyle of fear over faith, especially in those situations. It was like, no, I literally know bad things are going to happen if I pursue my faith. How can I live a life of faith when all I see are bad things around me? When all I see or hear, you know, on social media, on on whatever news you watch, it's real easy to be like, man, this this world is falling apart. Going to you know the the phrase is this it's going to hell in a handbasket, right? But as you mentioned, that's 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 a life of fear, mm-hmm. and that's that's where many Christians come to. Whether in that, how does that look? How does that look for people? Is well, if I just had enough money, if I just had enough set up in the retirement fund, right? I'm having, uh, had conversations with my dad. My dad was an accountant. And so we're, we're talking about, you know, I've got a certain amount and I've got a kid in college. I've got some money set aside in a, in an IRA somewhere. Like, you know, I could use the money now. I don't know if I'll be around in 20 years to use it. And, uh, and he's, being the accountant, he knows all the numbers and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm just fi- trying to figure stuff out. I, I, I don't want to harp on the financial thing, but I think a lot of it comes down to if I made enough money, then I would be comfortable. If I had enough set up in retirement, then I'd be safe. Then I would be taken care of because the world is not safe. So I need finances. I need education. I need a certain strength. I need a certain... There's this thing of, I need this to make the world safe for me you know and even when when nemo goes off to school that's that's what he says is be safe marlon marlon is like be safe son um i I tell our teenagers at at my church all the time i I give them this phrase uh what you pray about is what you care about and what you care about is what you pray about and so you know what that means is like if you were to print off a receipt of your prayers like all the, the script of your prayers like that's where you will find the things that you value the most. Uh, listen, listen to your prayers. Are you constantly, constantly talking about hedge of protection, whatever that means, right? Are you constantly talking about safety and providing and blessing? And I get it. It's good to, to pray for provision, but I mean, if you live in a house and you got groceries, I, he's doing it. You're good. But uh, if, if that's the thing that, that dominates your prayer life, it's also the thing that dominates your heart. I think that's, that's yeah. really true. And so um, uh, you know, we want to encourage people, don't be a spiritual Marlin. But here's the deal. Here's what's fun about Marlin. He's got a character arc. Marlin's not a Marlin at the end of the movie. And I think it's one of the main reasons is because he meets someone who's very unlike him, right? The approach is... Where am I finding my security? Where am I finding my safety? Mm-hmm. Because if it is in, well, I need money for when I retire, considering I basically live a retired life right now, I was like, I'm technically retired. But you know, if I'm looking at 20 years from now, I need to have enough. But you know, we're we're also know that we're not promised tomorrow. You know, the the cool thing that Dory says in the scene we're going to talk about here in a, in a few minutes is how do you know something when, when Marlon asks her, 
how do you know something bad's not going to happen? I don't. And we never know. We don't know if something bad's going to happen. We don't know what'll... We don't know. We don't know what the future holds. And as you mentioned, so the the contrasting person in this and uh, the, the question that we sort of, we found more interesting than this whole, the prodigal son concept is, is Dory the real hero of the story? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a big question. And, and for everybody who hasn't seen the movie in a while, you know, Dory is obviously the, the, the little blue fish uh, who is just maybe one of the funniest characters Disney's ever done. I watched the movie last night again, and I, I laughed out loud by myself. I, I just kind of forget just how – I mean everything she says is very, very funny. And yet, don't mistake her for just the little sidekick humor person. That, right. That She's not the some, bumbling sidekick yeah, like some Robin. Movies have. Uh, that, like, I think, I think there's a lot to love about Dory. Uh, there's a lot to love about Dory. And so, you know, we asked the question, is Dory the real spiritual hero in all of this? Because unlike Marlon, she is filled with childlike faith. Mm-hmm. Unlike Marlon, she does. She's not afraid of anything. She literally gets invited to a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, Carnivore's Anonymous meeting with three <laughs> giant sharks. And she goes up and gives a testimony. Like, right. like she is not afraid of the Australian current with crush. She's not afraid of, uh, she, she thinks the little angler fish is light. Uh, she assumes it's her conscience. She's just not afraid. Yeah. And of course that puts her maybe sometimes in a little bit of a dangerous situation, but there's, there's a childlike faith about her. She's joyfully grateful. And, 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 and a question I'd like to ask, and, and she's, she's like this, of course, because she has a very specific thing about her, uh, for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, she can't remember things, right? Um, that's like the, one of the funniest parts about she doesn't remember Nemo's name throughout the entire movie. Um, Harpo. Harpo. Um, I, I don't remember all <laughs> Elmo. She calls him so many things. She she can't remember who she's met. She has uh, short-term memory loss is, is, is what she says, yeah. right? Um, and that's one of the things that makes her very funny. It, can, can you see a part of Dory's amnesia as is, is, is maybe being a, a humorous um, and, and yet maybe somewhat of a profound picture of an aspect of God's character? Uh, the God who says, listen, I, I, I promise you, Israel, he says this in um, in Jeremiah chapter 34, I promise you there is, or no, excuse me, chapter 31, there is a day that's coming. Uh, where I will literally remember your sins no more. Not not even just like I'll forgive them. God's like I I, I like. There's this weird skill he has. I won't remember that you did this. Our call to be Jesus followers, I think, would be so much easier if God would bless us with a little bit of spir- of spiritual amnesia. Um, and, and there's a part of spiritual amnesia where you could also teach the lesson this way, like, hey, God says all throughout the Old Testament, remember the things that I did for you back in the, in the wilderness when I carried you like a son carries or like a father carries a son. You know, and the Israelites don't remember that, right? There's, there's a part of remembering where you do need to remember all the great things that God's done for you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm saying as a Christian in 2023, would it be easy? It would be easier to live a life of love and peace and joy if we could forget things easier. Forget what was said about us back in that small group. Forget the thing that was done um, for you. Forget how that person hurt you. Forget how you used to be afraid. Forget how you used to be, but just kind of like Dory, like I see what's in front of me. I know what I ought to do. I'm not afraid. I'm just going for it. I mean, I, I think our, the kingdom of God would just explode in my life personally. If if I could be a little bit more spiritually forgetful, even, even though Dory's like this funny little character who is bizarre and different, I kind of see some, some, some character aspects that I would love to have in my life. Right, because she... She does live a life of freedom much more than Marlon does. And you can say, you might argue with us 
and say, you know, well, the world is dangerous. The world is bad. The world is going to hell in a handbasket, whatever phrase you want to say. It's like, no, I need to do this to find security. But that mindset goes against just about everything Jesus said, right? He's like, why are you anxious? Why, why do you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear? If you trusted your father, if you had faith, then you wouldn't worry about this stuff. Like put first the kingdom. And I think one of the, the coolest lines that one of the best scenes in the movie is when, you know, after, after they sort of, they see Nemo, but he's acting like he's dead. He's gone belly up. And so Marlon just wants to go home, home to his an enemy. And Dory says, I remember things better with you. I look at you and I'm home. Like home isn't a place, it's in a relationship. You know, there, there is the whole, like for us, if we could let go of our sin, basically who we were, the, the ways that we screw up, the regrets that we have, the shame, I think it's more often that our own mental stuff, our baggage is what keeps us from God, not like God's there waiting and we're the ones who withdraw from him. Because we don't think we're worthy. We don't think we're worth it. We don't think he's safe. We don't think he's trustworthy. We don't think we get, I mean, we don't think we can trust him. We, you can't, like, I, no, I've, I've had this bad thing happen to me in the past. And it might be yesterday. Like, oh, I might, this happened and it was terrible. And I'm never going to put myself out there again. I'm never going to engage. I'm never going to, to enjoy this. And we look at the people who keep us from what we think is security as annoyances, as inconvenient, as obstacles. Like then that's how Marlon looks at Dory the whole way. Like there's a whole thing is like, we need to go our separate ways. Right. When he is completely missing the fact that he would not have found the mask. He could not read the mask. He would not have a direction. He would not have gotten directions to the EAC. Like all the things that happened happened because of Dory in spite of Marlon, because Marlon is such a sort of a pickle, a pill. Uh, you know, nobody really likes Marlon. Everybody loves Dory. Right. So much so to where this kind of, uh, um, this has nothing to do with Finding Nemo. Me and my wife actually, um, before we had kids, we got in a little bit to a, a small version of the hobby of reef keeping where you, you know, buy like the fancy fish tank and then you put in the salt water and the corals mm -hmm. and you have to buy those unbelievably expensive lights. Uh, we, we got rid of it because we're like, hey, if it comes down to like kids got to go to the ER or we need to change the water, um, we, we just said we didn't want to be put in that situation. <laughs> And, uh, and so we got rid of it, uh, cause it was difficult financially, but, um, it was a super fun hobby. But, uh, one of the things I'll never forget in me getting involved in that little world was people saying 20 years ago when Finding Nemo came out, um, there was a big problem with people, uh, uh, going to reefs and plucking blue tangs, uh, out of reefs, uh, oh, wow. because the, the, that's, that's what Dory is. You can breed them in captivity, but uh, there was such a demand for them that they were kind of hurting wildlife populations because everybody wanted dory. They did not have the same issue with clownfish. Uh, and I just think that uh, that was something very, very telling. Um, all of these people and all of their kids, they like dory. They like Nemo too, uh, but they like they, nobody likes Marlin. Um, and no offense to all the Marlins out there, all the spiritual <laughs> right, you Marlins. Don't, you see clownfish, so it's a Nemo, it's not a Marlin. <laughs> yeah, who here, who names their kid Marlin? It'd be even weirder if it was cold, uh, coral. But um, uh, but yeah, no one names their clownfish Marlin. There's something interesting to that. Like here you have a clownfish named after a sport fish. And Nigel, Nigel's going to talk about this in, in one of the clips here. But like when you, if you Google the image of a marlin, this is what you see in the the fishing shows, the epic, you know, the the one with the long nose and the sail on the back and jumping out of the water. This is a fierce fish. 
a fighter. Like if you're if you're saltwater fishing, this is probably one of the fish you want to go catch is a marlin. Yeah, it's a trophy fish. You put them on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's blue. It's bright. It's a beautiful fish. And this is that's the. It's interesting that that a little clownfish is named after a trophy. Which I I don't know. You as you were talking about that, I'm like, oh, let me look up what a you know what exactly does a marlin look like? And it's a gorgeous fish. It's something you would definitely. I don't know if you'd have enough wall space to hang it up. It's so big, right? Because Dory's got a name. Nemo has a name. Marlin's name is actually an entirely different species of fish, right? In 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 Marlin's character and, and who he is you know like you said he's named after something he's not uh and all throughout the movie kind of the the, the joke is uh he's a clownfish who's not funny <laughs> right uh and and that's also another thing listen w- w- when you are a control freak in life you you don't laugh as much you don't find things quite as funny like marlin's supposed to be funny he's a clownfish nobody laughs right when they're around him right um listen your life is supposed to be a whole lot more like dory's life uh, forgetting of the past, pushing forward in faith, not being afraid, and laughing a lot. Uh, I, I think that's the life of a disciple. Yeah. And so I do want to play now the clip when they're in the whale because, you know, Dory speaks whale, of course. She can read, she can speak whale, even though Marlon, I don't know, thinks that she can actually do these things, um, which is one of the most uh probably movie quotes I use with my kids is you think you can do these things, Nemo, but you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And and so again, going back to that idea of in the belly of the whale, which is the moment in, in the hero's journey where you face your innermost fears. And as we were talking before and even watching as like the most interesting scene is you've got these two fish, Marlin and Dory in the exact same situation but two markedly different approaches. Mm-hmm. Marlon is bashing his head up against the 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 filter, the baleen of the, the the whale, trying to escape because he's got this need. He's he's driven. He has to get out because he's afraid of letting his son down. I have to get out to tell him out because I know how old sea turtles are. And Dory's just going along, back and forth, wee, you know, enjoying the waves. The context is the same, but the reactions and the approach are very different. So this is a spliced together clip because, I mean, we could have talked about the whole, I think, five minute scene in there. But of how our approach can be driven, fueled by our fear or fueled by our faith. What's wrong? We're in a whale. Don't you get it? A whale? A whale. Because you had to ask for help. And now we're stuck here. Wow. A whale. You know I speak whale. No, you're insane. You can't speak whale. I have to get out. I have to find my son. I have to tell him how old sea turtles are. <laughs> oh. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> Hey, you okay? There, there. It's all right. It'll be okay. No. No, it won't. Sure it will. You'll see. No. I promised him I'd never let anything happen to him. Huh. That's a funny thing to promise. Well, you can't never let anything happen to him. Then nothing would ever happen to him. Not much fun for little Harpo. He either said we should go to the back of the throat, or he wants a root beer float. Of course he wants us to go there! Eating us! How do I taste, Moby? Huh? Do I taste good? You tell him I'm not interested in being lunch. Okay. He. Stop talking to him. What is going on? I'll check. No, no more whale. You can't speak whale. Yes, I can. No, you can't. You 
you could do these things, but you can't, Nemo! I have a, a friend whose wife is a teacher. I don't I don't know what grade it is. I think it may be elementary school. You know, there, every once in a while, there's teacher appreciation, people bringing gifts or stuff like that. And he says he always throws that stuff out because he doesn't trust the people who are giving them homemade cookies or he doesn't know. Maybe they have some ulterior motive and they're trying to, you know, give them X-Lax brownies or something. I don't know. But he told me that. And I was like, that sounds like a horrible way to live. Constantly in fear of what if something bad happens? And the the interesting thing was that the contrast of like Marlon's upset because they're in a whale. That be and he blames Dory for ha- for their situation. Because you think you can talk whale, but you can't. Well, she, we find out she can, and the whale, the whale that Marlin is desperately trying to escape is actually taking him to where he needs to be. Right. And you see him, again, banging, you hear it, splat, splat. I have to, I have to. And for us, where are those things we feel like, I have to? It feels like death if I don't blank. And that is where... Jesus is calling us to, as you mentioned earlier, the die, die to ourself, die to the I have to, and trust that God will take us there. The thing that Marlon thought was going to kill him was actually the thing that pushed him further in the journey. And uh, and I'm not trying to give you like a, a little, you know, some little Chinese fortune cooking, c- cookie saying, <laughs> you know, about, uh, you know, uh, the things that don't kill you make you stronger. That's also a Kanye West theory. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not. But at the same time, the Bible also does very specifically say that God works um, for the good for everybody who loves Him, and He is. Um, I, I tell our teenagers this all the time. God, God does not make every opportunity. I, I don't believe that. I don't think God sends. I don't think every hurricane is sent from God. Like, I don't think God makes every opportunity, but he sure does take every opportunity um, to, to form us into the image of Jesus. And, um, and so he's an opportunist, uh, opportunist and uh, kind of like this whale. Um, is it a good thing that he's in the belly of the whale? Just depends on what your perspective is. No, it's not a good thing to be in the belly of a whale. If you're a fish, Right. Right. But if you can see a, the bigger picture, which of course they can't, so you can't really blame them. But if you can see the bigger picture, it's actually something that's being used to their advantage. Uh, is it scary? Yes. Is it terrifying? Of course. Uh, is it even horrible? Sure. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know if I caught this last night as I was watching this. I mean, all movie long, he's uh, he's getting onto Dory for not being realistic, for not. Uh, not being logical for 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 not not thinking things through, just constantly getting onto her, and you know, right here he says, you know, he's yelling, her, "You you can't you can't do that," and he says, "You just can't do that, Nemo." That's an awesome line because it's 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 the ultimate icing on the cake that it's not just his relationship with his son where he's a control freak. This is his life, right? This is who he is. This is a Freudian slip of all slips. And, uh, he doesn't even mean to do it, but like, this is his whole life. And so he is, um, he's hanging on this whale's tongue and, um, uh, Dory's hanging there too. And they, you know, they've, they've got the line, you know, Dory says, it's time to let go. Right. It's time to let go. You know, like you said, how do you know something bad won't happen? I don't. Listen, even when we, as Christians, we walk with God, bad things happen. 
Uh, in fact, I'd almost even say Jesus kind of promises that. That's John sixteen thirty three. <laughs> in this world, you're going to have right? trials and <laughs> issues and troubles. And doesn't Paul or Peter say, you know, if Jesus, the Son of God, had to endure the cross, what makes you think we're going to get off easy? Right. That's my paraphrase. <laughs> right. Uh, and, 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 and so, you know, I, I just kind of get this sense that, you know, G, you know, John sixteen thirty three says, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but, but take heart, Jesus says, because I've overcome the world. We, we belong to the, to the person, to the being who, who went through every, every single trial. And he's like, I've been there. I know this. I get this. And I'm not promising it's going to be easy for you. It's, it's going to be terrible, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think God wants you, whatever that, that whale tongue is that you're holding on to, I do think God wants you to let go. No, there's no promises bad things won't happen. And actually, that's not true. There is. The promises bad things will happen. It's life, Right. Right. But I think here's the huge, huge, huge thing that Marlon finds. You can see it in his animated face. He's worried, but when he finally de- before he lets go, when he decides that he's going to let go, his face relaxes. Some of us spiritually, our face muscles are just so, so tired of clenching because we're worried and we're afraid and and, and we cannot let go because we want control. Here's the deal. Security is a fine thing to pursue. Security is good. Uh, I think we were made to, to live lives where we feel secure, right? But being a control freak, you know, desiring control, I think security and control, while they do sometimes kind of walk hand in hand, they are slightly different, okay? They are slightly different. Marlon realizes Security is not actually found in control, but rather it's found in surrender. It's it's finally when he does let go, his face relaxes. He doesn't have to worry about these things. And and, and, and you you can be a little more uh, – faith brings security. That's what's awesome. That's, that's what's so great about our Christian faith is that it doesn't mean that we just don't care what happens anymore. It's that we actually do, and we believe that we have security. It's just it's not our white knuckles that are grabbing it, right? It's, it's a gift that's been given to us, right? It's not our white knuckles that are grabbing the security. We are allowed to have security. That's an okay thing to pursue. Just accept it. God gives it to you. Are you going to be afraid? Are you, are you, are you going to be – uh, are you going to go through trials and, and, and are bad things going to happen? Yes. But listen, our face muscles can relax and our white knuckles can calm down. Bad things will happen. There's going to be a lot of tears in this life. But security is found not in control. It's found in surrender. It's found in letting go and saying, God, I really do trust you. I understand there's going to be a lot of bumps on this road and I'm going to, I might walk out of here with a damaged fin, right? But I really do trust you. And, uh, because of that, I'm going to do what you say. And, uh, and I'm not interested in, in grabbing control. Like you said, in, in the, the, where you can maybe f- kind of find it in the things of this world as in a status or a job or a relationship or uh, a lot of times money, um, I'm just going to find my security in knowing that at the end of this movie, my name is written in the book of life. And I'm going to be fine. That's my sermon. <laughs> I, I love what you said about the relaxing. And, and that's what Jesus said is, come to me. He's like, are you worn out of trying it your way of, of trying, like I've I've seen, I've experienced, I've been a, a Christian who's been like, I just need to, I just don't want to sin, and so I'm like alert and fearful and afraid of doing anything. It's like just come to me, my my burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's not right. typically if we know that phrase, everybody knows that phrase, but we don't actually experience the lightness and the easiness of faith. I love what you said. It's we think we have to hold on. And what we need to do is just relax into our father's embrace and realize that he's holding us. It doesn't, 
He's not saying evil won't happen. That's what Joseph said. What you intended for evil, God used for good. As you, you said earlier, God's an opportunist. He takes what is meant for evil. He never, he didn't say it was good. He said it was evil. Basically, in this movie, the kidnapping of Nemo is used to restore Marlin's identity. The kidnapping wasn't good. It was evil. As you were saying, all these people were going out to the reef and clearing the seas of blue tangs. That's evil. But God's going to use it for good. But do you trust the one who rules the universe, the one who is actually in charge? Knowing that no matter what happens, no matter what the diagnosis is, what the, what the you know, meeting result is, I'm not the one in control. God is. And will I trust him? Uh, I saw a Facebook reel the other day, and it was this guy, and he had this – he was at the movies, and he had this popcorn bucket, and you could just see him kind of head on, and he's just like tears are coming down, and he's got wide eyes. And the caption – it was very simple. The caption just said, uh, point of view when you get to heaven and God shows you all of the horrible things you went through and how he used them for your good. It just I – mean, it is so exciting to think – Man, I, I can't wait to watch the highlights of this, of the highlights of this life, and to see them from a different perspective. Mm. You know, we all are like, it's a Pixar movie. You're going to be fine, Marlon. <laughs> you're the main character. We like, you're not going to die. Uh, I mean, maybe that's how God feels, right? I've written the end of the story. You're going to be fine. Jesus already died and rose. Like, he's done it. You are going to be okay. But it's a it's it's one thing to say that it's another thing to have faith when you're hanging on to the way you've done. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's just another thing. And so, for people out there who are really going through some things, my family's currently really going through some things. We really, really are. Um, it, it's it is absolutely belly of the whale kind of a situation for some of the members of my extended family, and they're going to be listening to this, I'm sure, and um, and they know what I'm talking about in the midst of all of it. It's really hard. Like we, I said, do this to our teenagers all, all the time. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm pointing to my head and then I'm going to point to my heart. Okay. <laughs> we know God's truth here, but so often it is very difficult to know that in your heart. There is an intellectual knowledge and then there's a faith knowledge, mm. and they don't always line up. Spiritual immaturity is, is where, like, that. That intellectual knowledge gets spiritually choked in your neck somehow. Mm. Like, like it, it cannot descend down to the core of who you are, descend into your heart to where the intellectual knowledge. And I, I'm from Church of Christ. You might not even know what that means. Church of Christ, people love intellect and knowledge. They All we do is Bible study, okay? Uh, we will out-Bible study anybody out there, okay? Um, didn't say we're going to out-love people, but we will out-Bible study anybody. <laughs> and at the end of the day, like— I desperately want for our teenagers in my church, like I, I, I want this stuff in their head. I want it to drop to their heart, mm. right? Because when you are on the whale tongue, uh, it is like knowing in your head all of the stuff does not help you if it has never dropped. Mm. It just doesn't. It, it will never help you. Education plus inspiration is what leads to transformation. And, and, and so often we get one of the two, right? Either you get an incredible motivational speech on, you know, how to, you know, you should go do this. Well, it's like, okay, I feel pumped up now, but I have no idea what to do. Right. I have no idea how to actually follow Jesus. But then there's the other side. It's like sitting in a great Bible class and you learn so much and, and, and now you have all this knowledge, but you're, you're, you're fine to just go home now, Right. You got to have both if you actually really want to be transformed. And the transformation, the evidence of the transformation, as, as as we bring this full circle, the evidence of that you have education plus uh, inspiration, uh, or you can even say information plus inspiration, uh, and it leads to transformation. The evidence that you actually have transformation is is when you are on the whale tongue and and you choose uh, you choose the greater thing, which is to have trust in God. And you choose to let go and not be white knuckled and to let your spiritual face relax. And and I think the the way that we do that 
is from a scene that you 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 wanted to to dive into a little bit when Nemo's in the tank he's he's hopeless because their their plan to get out didn't work because Nemo's trying to get back to his dad he's trying to get back home and they're all bummed he's he's moping in the you know the his little hideaway in the in the aquarium and Nigel the pelican shows up because he's heard about Marlin he's he's heard about his he's like he's on his way and so he wants to go tell Nemo and when we remember who our father is when we see our father for who he really is then that is what will inspire us to action and we see you know at the after this clip you know Nemo goes and does something he wasn't able to do before as you were just saying he's he's been transformed he's got he's full of hope he's full of faith as Nigel is talking the focus turns from Nigel to Nemo where and even Nigel's voice sort of fades a little bit as the details of what Nigel is saying matter less than the what it is actually what he is actually communicating about the father's heart for Nemo. Oh, Nigel, you just missed an extraction. Oh, has he loosened the periodontal ligament with the elevator yet? Uh, what am I talking about? Nemo, where's Nemo? I've got to speak with him. What? What is it? Your dad's been fighting the entire ocean looking for you. My father? Really? Really? Oh, yeah. He's traveled hundreds of miles. He's been battling sharks and jellyfish, sharks? all sorts of... That can't be him. Are you sure? What was his name? Uh, some sort of sport fish or something. Tuna? Uh, trout? Marlin? That's it. Marlin, the little clownfish from the reef. It's my dad! He took on a shark! I heard he took on three. Three? Three, three sharks? There's got to be 4,800 teeth. You see, kid, after you were taken by Diver Dan over there, your dad followed the boat you were on like a maniac. Really? He's swimming and he's swimming and he's giving it all his gob. And then three gigantic sharks capture him and he blows him up. And then dive starts at his feet where he gets chased by a monster with huge teeth. He ties the steamer to the rock. What does he get for a reward? He gets to battle an entire jellyfish forest. But now he's riding with a bunch of sea turtles on the East Australian current, and the word is he's headed this way right now to Sydney. Wow. Oh, what a good day. <laughs> he was looking for you after all, Shark Bait. Last night I was watching this, and, and um, that, that's probably the thing that stuck out to me the most. E- even more than the, the, the whale scene, which is, of course, kind of the uh, just a, a really great, great part to talk about. The thing that, that stuck out to me was, like you said, as Nigel's describing the details of what the father did, to, the lengths that the father went through to save his son, it's almost like the details at some point get they get lost. As, as his voice kind of fades out, they get lost in the wonder. And if you watch the clip, cinematographically, cinematographically, is that a word? Uh, <laughs> it is if, now. If, if you watch, if, if yeah, if you watch the the, the how they filmed this. They, they, they're zooming out on Nigel and they're zooming into Nemo and you see on his little animated face, you see just the wonder as he listens to the story of what his dad did for him. He can't even believe it. Uh, of course, this is Marlon, uh, the, 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 the character that we have just pounded for the last hour, <laughs> but he has gone through his transformation. It is on the whale tongue mm. that he lets go and starts to go through his transformation. He's not the same fish we've talked about for the last hour. He's now somebody new. He sees things from a new perspective, and he truly has traversed the ocean so that he can save his son. There's just something insanely spiritual about the enthusiasm in this clip, the enthusiasm from Marlon, the enthusiasm from the listeners of the tank, and then the wonder that's found written all over Nemo's face as he listens to the story. Part of the reason um, for everybody who's listening, I've, I've, I wrote a book about four years ago called The Man Called Messiah, and it's it's a biblical fiction book. Um uh, And it's just a retelling of basically the story of Jesus' last weekend on earth. Uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to, I wrote it specifically for a youth group kid of mine, but one of the reasons uh, why we, we, we took it to a publisher and, and tried to get, get the message out there was we wanted to retell a story that you've heard a thousand times and, and it, in the hopes that that same kind of wonder that was written all over Nemo's face could can, can kind of fall fresh on, on readers' faces as well. Not that there's anything... Uh, missing in in the biblical story, there's absolutely not. We you know stuck very very closely to it, 
But there's just something important about hearing a, a story told in an excited way. And that's exactly what happens. And so I, I'm just curious, and maybe uh, one of the final questions I'd like to ask our listeners is, when was the last time you had wonder cross your face when, when you remembered remember the things that God has done to rescue you from your own self? Because that's exactly what happened. Marlon rescued Nemo from Nemo because Nemo was a dumb little fish, and he made some poor, poor choices. And he did. He, he set aside everything to go get him for as much of a control freak as he is. Even above all of that was a love for his son. Mm -hmm. He eventually learned to put aside that controlish ways simply because the love for his son, uh, was no match, uh, for anything that might stand in its way. And so when was the last time you had true wonder and enthusiasm cross your face when you remembered what God has done uh, to save you, the things that he has done, the things that he has uh, crossed and defeated and, and gone through. Yeah. The, the cool part that I thought was you, you mentioned we have been pounding Marlin and saying, we don't want to be like Marlin. And now here we are kind of flipping the script on you and saying, no, this is actually look at Marlin from a different perspective. The, the, the times of our lives that we, hate that we feel frustrated we feel the most stressed the the times that we feel we're we're the we're undergoing the process of our transformation for the person in the story doesn't feel great because marlin is changing from who he was to who he's meant to be sort of taking on his name, namesake of a trophy fish marlin doesn't enjoy taking on sharks diving going through the jellyfish forest. I think he, he might have enjoyed the, the sea turtle ride, but he does not enjoy being in the whale. He does not enjoy any of it, just like us. We don't enjoy going through our process of transformation, of initiation, of maturation. But what we see is transformation inspires others. Trans, his efforts, his work inspires Nemo. Because you can even say, well, Marlin doesn't rescue Nemo. Literally. Figuratively, though, he does, because at that moment, Nemo's in his belly of the whale where he doesn't, he feels hopeless. He feels like he's just destined to death with Darla. But then he puts in the efforts. He's got to get to his dad. Like you mentioned, it awakened the wonder in him. It's like, oh, my dad does love me. And in many ways, you know, what does he say when he, when he first sees Marlon is, I don't hate you, dad, because those are the last words that he had said to his dad at the drop-off before he touched the butt. But he doesn't let that come between them. He doesn't let his, his regret, his shame. He's like, I got to get to my dad, and he's going to do everything he can to get there. Right. And then, you know, the big scene where they, they meet, and they just keep swimming and all that, and it's all happily ever after, right? But Marlon is, is changed. We always look at, at these stories of who's the one who underwent the most change, and obviously it's Marlon. It might be called Finding Nemo, but really the story is about Marlon. But it takes, mm. like you said, the love of his son and the intervention of a of somebody that he saw as a as a burden, an obstacle, an annoyance, an interruption. Someone who's keeping him from his true mission is actually the one who's participating, who is the catalyst in the transformation of who Marlon is becoming. Right. So, you know, like you said, where where can we awaken our wonder? Where do we need to let go? What are those things that we are super frustrated, just want to escape, just want to get out that are actually working towards our transformation process? And how is that actually transform or how is that process inspiring those around us? Yeah. All good questions. Tough, tough questions <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, he says it's easy, but it's not easy. It's it's simple, but not always easy. So, Corey, thank you for uh, uh, helping us find Nemo today. <laughs> finding Nemo, finding Marlin. <laughs> finding Dory is an entirely different movie. <laughs> right, it is. It is. <laughs> so this has been Paul McDonald and Corey Stumney talking about Finding Nemo. 
Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dorino singing. Oh, 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 I love to swim. Dorino. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck on. now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Ah!